the end zone, has a man open, touchdown, Justin Blackman. Another edition of Locked on Pokes here on a Monday. I'm your host, Colby Powell. Glad to be with you. Boy, do I have a lot to get to today. I was out of town Thursday and Friday, which means that I have missed a ton since I was gone. And there is a ton to get to today. A lot of Chuba Hubbard, Doak Walker Award, Heisman Award, rumors. Will he stay? Will he go? We're talking Oklahoma State. Houston, as Oklahoma State remains perfect away from home on the season against the Cougars yesterday. Uh, we're talking Bedlam Duel in Norman. We're talking football recruiting as early signing period starts Wednesday of this week. And Oklahoma State has its eye on a couple of big targets. So a lot to get to throughout the show today. I want to remind everyone that this is part of the Locked On Podcast Network, the number one local sports daily podcast network in the country. We've got Locked On Pokes, Locked On Sooners, Locked On Thunder, all part of the Locked On family. So if you uh, have a house divided, you've got some Sooner fans, got a Thunder fan, go listen to John Hoover and Brady Trantham with Locked On Sooners and Locked On Thunder. All right, let's dive in. Let's talk a little bit about Chuba Hubbard. So, again, I wasn't on Thursday or Friday. When I left you last Wednesday, what I said was, I didn't go back and listen, but I'm fairly certain what I said was, if Chuba Hubbard doesn't win the Doak Walker Award, because we knew he wasn't going to win Heisman, we knew he wasn't a finalist, and we'd come to terms with that. We weren't okay with it, but we'd come to terms with it. I said, if, if Chuba Hubbard does not win the Doak Walker Award, which was between Chuba Hubbard, Jonathan Taylor, and J.K. Dobbins, now we've got a problem. Because now it's being proven even further that voters for some of these awards, A, don't watch the games, and B, just are showing a total lack of respect for what Chuba Hubbard accomplished this season. So Jonathan Taylor wins the Doak Walker Award on Thursday night. And here is my biggest, biggest problem with Jonathan Taylor winning this award. You know what that tells me from the outside looking in? That tells me that this was given to Jonathan Taylor as a career achievement award because Jonathan Taylor has had a phenomenal career at Wisconsin. Phenomenal. No one is questioning that. I'm not trying to put Jonathan Taylor down by saying that he didn't deserve to win the award this year. But the reason he got it is because in his career, two years ago, 2017, he rushed for 1,977 yards. Last year, 2,194. This year, 1909. In one more game, less yards than Chuba Hubbard. Same number of touchdowns. And and so what the voters did is they gave a 2019 award to Jonathan Taylor, and they gave it to him as a career achievement award. And I see the these national, these talking heads, you know, some of them releasing their Heisman votes like, oh, I hated to leave Jonathan Taylor off. What a phenomenal career he's had at, at Wisconsin. Forget his phenomenal career. We're voting for awards in 2019. Guess what? If Chuba Hubbard does come back and he rushes for 1,200 yards and has 14 touchdowns next year, he doesn't deserve to be up for any awards. He doesn't deserve career achievement awards because his 2020 season would not be lofty enough to deserve those awards. Well, guess what? Jonathan Taylor did not deserve the Doak Walker Award. He accomplished less in more games than Chuba Hubbard accomplished in less games. So, 
That's my number one problem, is that this was clearly a career achievement award for Jonathan Taylor. Phenomenal career, did not have a better season than Chuba Hubbard. So that's my number one problem, career achievement award for Jonathan Taylor. My number two problem with Chuba Hubbard not winning the Doak Walker Award. It tells me, again, that Chuba Hubbard got absolutely screwed by not having his best games of the season watched by the majority of the country. The game against Kansas State was on ESPN+. Plus. He rushed for 296 yards on ESPN+. Plus. Nobody else in the country saw that. Nobody. You know what they saw? They saw the West Virginia game and the Oklahoma game whenever Chuba was finally starting to get some hype late in the season. So the Big 12 has made this deal with ESPN+. Plus, and since Chuba Hubbard doesn't play at a blue blood, you know, Oklahoma wasn't playing conference games on, on ESPN+. Plus. They weren't having to do that because that's a blue blood. So they get more of those eyeballs on those national games. Oklahoma State, not a blue blood. You get to play a conference game on ESPN+. Plus. Nobody watches. Your running back doesn't get credit, basically, for his biggest game of the season. The 296-yard game against Kansas State, I- I- I'm-, I'm absolutely serious when I say this. To voters around the country for the Doak Walker and the Heisman, it is blatantly obvious that it is as if that game never happened. They didn't see it. Out of sight, out of mind, it's as if it never happened. Even the TCU game, where Chuba goes for 223, first running back since Gary Patterson took over at TCU to run for more than 200 yards in a single game. It might as well have never happened. That's what the voters are telling me. Jonathan Taylor, Chuba Hubbard doesn't win the Doak Walker. I mean, we're sitting here last week, Last Monday, I'm on here, and I'm fired up. We're we're all kind of upset because Chuba Hubbard is not a Heisman finalist. And then we get the list of the full voting on Saturday night. So we already knew kind of who the top four were. And in order, it was Joe Burrow who broke all the records for how how large of a margin he won by. And then we had Jalen Hurts, Justin Fields, and Chase Young, a close 2-3-4. And then I fully expected Chuba to come in at five. Well, then after the Doak Walker Award on Thursday, I'm thinking to myself, Chuba may not come in at five. He may not be ahead of Jonathan Taylor. Not only did Chuba not come in at five, Chuba did not come in at five or six or seven. Chuba Hubbard was eighth in Heisman voting. Chuba Hubbard was closer to Tua Tungovailoa in Heisman voting than he was to Jonathan Taylor. Uh, Wrap your mind around that. I mean, it's, it's as if what Chuba Hubbard did this season did not exist outside of this region. People didn't see the games. It was a career achievement award for Jonathan Taylor. And you know what else? It's a bunch of people. And here's the problem. There are so many people who vote on these awards. And you know what all these people do before the season? You know what everyone does in August? Everyone makes preseason predictions in August, right? We all do it. We all do it. So what happened in August? In August, let's pull up the Heisman voting. In August, a bunch of people made preseason predictions about Tua and about Travis Etienne, and about Trevor Lawrence, J.K. Dobbins, Jonathan Taylor, made a lot of preseason predictions about how great these guys were going to be. And Chuba was kind of just a guy. Because Chuba wasn't the starter at the beginning of last season. It was Justice Hill. Chuba took over late in the year. So now Chuba comes on and bursts on to the scene, has a phenomenal season. But you know what happens? People make their preseason predictions. And you know what people love? People love being right. And, and if somebody predicted before the season that Jonathan Taylor was going to be in New York, then you know what? They went out and voted for Jonathan Taylor. Jonathan Taylor got six first-place votes 
for the Heisman. Six for first place. Explain that to me. Explain it. There is no explanation. There is no explanation for his six first place votes. Tua Tungavailoa got a first place vote. That could have come from Mark Ingram, Derrick Henry. Who knows who that came from? Trevor Lawrence got three first place votes. Okay, Clemson went undefeated. Whatever. Jonathan Taylor, six first place votes? He wasn't even the best running back in the country. I I can't wrap my mind around it. Been trying to, I've been deciding what I want to say today. I cannot wrap my mind around it. Congratulations to Jonathan Taylor on winning the Doak Walker Lifetime Career Achievement Award. That's what Jonathan Taylor won on Thursday night. He won the Doak Walker Career Achievement Award. So big congratulations to Jonathan Taylor on his on his career at Wisconsin. And let's just totally ignore the season that Chuba Hubbard had at Oklahoma State. Because, you know, we're voting for career awards, not season awards, right? The 2019 Doak Walker should go to whichever running back has had the best three-year career in college football. So let's go ahead and give it to Jonathan Taylor. I'm really – I'd come to terms with the fact that Chuba wasn't a Heisman finalist because I understand what the Heisman is, the way it's structured for Blue Bloods and for quarterbacks. But the Doak Walker Award, I thought for sure, was going to Chuba Hubbard because this is an award that when you sit down to vote for it, you're supposed to take a look at just the running backs and what they accomplished this season – and yet it was given to Jonathan Taylor for what he's accomplished over the last three seasons, uh, and Chuba Hubbard was robbed. Just like last year in the Bolitnikoff voting, Tylen Wallace was robbed. For whatever reason, voters do not want to give any respect to the great skill players that have come through Stillwater the last couple of years. I can't make any sense of it. I need to take a break. If you are listening on Spotify, you're a Spotify listener, use Spotify Wrapped to show us your top Locked On podcasts for the year. Take a screenshot and tag us at Locked On Live, and you can tag the host or the show Twitter account. Uh, so you can tag at Colby J. Powell, at Locked On Pokes. If you're listening to John Hoover or Brady Trantham, at Locked On Sooners, at Johnny Hoover. Uh, and then you can find at Locked On Thunder. And I don't know Brady's Twitter off the top of my head, but you can find him on Twitter. Tag that. And uh, we will share that and retweet it. We want to know what you're listening to here on the Locked On Podcast Network. All right, I need to take a break. I need to catch my breath. I'm fired up. Come back on the other side. Uh, And I want to talk about some good things that happened this weekend, specifically down in Houston. No Isaac Likely, but Oklahoma State breaks out of its slump. That's coming up next here on Locked On Pokes, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back to Locked on Pokes. I'm your host, Colby Powell. Glad you are with me on this Monday. Boy, I'm glad to be back. I've uh, I've had a lot of stuff building up over the last few days. So much has happened uh, since I went on vacation on Wednesday. It was a great vacation, by the way. Went up to Branson with the family for a few days. Played some great golf up there. I love playing golf in Branson. The, the courses are all in the hills, on the mountains. Uh, played a hole with couple hundred foot drops, stuff like that. Uh, it was a lot of fun. So enjoyed that. Got home. Dogs are happy to uh, to see us. Getting home is always the best part of vacation. And then the dogs just kind of want to hang out all day. So had a great vacation, but glad to be back because a lot has happened. And another big week this week uh, as the early signing period starts on Wednesday and Oklahoma State will look to lock up a lot of its commits uh, on Wednesday for Mike Gundy and his squad. Uh, yesterday, Mike Boynton took his squad to Houston, and Oklahoma State did what Oklahoma State does. They played good basketball away from Gallagher-Iba 
arena. I, I don't know what we have to do to get a performance like this in GIA, but I, I guess we can just start expecting it outside of GIA at this point because Oklahoma State uh, remains undefeated away from Gallagher-Iba Arena. They were underdogs going into Houston yesterday. This is a game you can always kind of tell. I, I like to go in and get the other perspective after a game like this where Oklahoma State pulls off an upset to see how another team feels about losing the game. Because obviously Oklahoma State wins, and the perspective that we're all going to get in Oklahoma is, wow, what a big win for Mike Boynton. Still no Isaac Likely. You go down there. Your NA doesn't get in foul trouble. Oklahoma State loses a big lead but, but clutches it late. What a big win for Oklahoma State. So I, I like to get the other side of it. Kelvin Sampson, after the game yesterday, head coach for Houston, had a lot to say. Number one, Kelvin Sampson said, the game started at 2 o'clock. We played like the game started at 3 Oklahoma State started playing at two. Great quote from Kelvin Sampson. Uh, he also said, fortunately, I haven't been able to say this a lot, but very rarely do you see a team come in here and outcompete us. I think that's the thing that bothers me most. Kelvin Sampson was fired up after yesterday's game. And here's the best one. Right at the end, this is in the Houston Chronicle. Kelvin Sampson said, and I quote, today we disrespected our program. We disrespected a lot of the kids that have come through here over the years that's disappointing. That, that's what this win was for Oklahoma State. It may not feel like a lot. It's mid-December. You're not to conference play yet. But, but this win was bigger than one win in the column for Oklahoma State. After you lose Isaac Likely, and you're starting to wonder now, can this team play without Isaac Likely? I mean, this is a question that we were having to ask ourselves because – they got run off their home floor in back-to-back -back games by Georgetown and Wichita State. Just got beat from start to finish by both of those teams. So now we have to ask ourselves, what is this team without Isaac Likely? I mean, if he's out another month, are we looking at a team that, that can't even find its way into the tournament now? A team that should be top 25, but because they lose one guy, they're not going to find their way into the tournament? And Oklahoma State made a big statement yesterday against Houston. And shout-out to D. Mitchell. D. Mitchell came in, and uh, D. Mitchell, by the way, was a walk-on who was on the team via the tryouts that Oklahoma State had last year. And, and you know, I think it was Marshall Scott who tweeted it out that he was going to be getting the, the start. And I thought to myself, D. Mitchell? D. D who? D. Mitchell? So he starts in place of Chris Harris Jr., who started the last two games. Oklahoma State got rolled up, and Mitchell did well. Oklahoma State played phenomenal defense. Houston could not score. Houston was abysmal. Houston starters, pardon me, Houston starters in that game combined for 17 points. Their leading scorer, Quentin Grimes, did not score. He was 0 for 7 in 33 minutes. He's played 45 collegiate games. Only the second time he's gone scoreless in his 45 career games. Houston would have gotten run off the bench if they hadn't had Caleb Mills, a redshirt freshman, come off the bench and drop 23 points, a career-high 23 points. Oklahoma State's defense was phenomenal. And again, what did I say on Wednesday? Yorane has to stay on the floor if Oklahoma State's going to have a chance. They'd been getting crushed on the boards. Oklahoma State only gets out-rebounded by one by Houston the other day. and the, I mean, Houston had 17 offensive rebounds. Oklahoma State actually won the defensive rebounding battle 29-23. to 23. So despite giving up so many offensive boards, uh, they still only lose the total rebounding battle by one. That's because Yorane was able to play 28 minutes. He had only two rebounds in the last two games combined. 
Yesterday, 18 points, 8 rebounds. Had a block to go along with it. Cam McGriff played well. He got in double figures with 12 points. Lindy and Thomas Dezagua, both in double figures with 11 points. It was a big statement win for Oklahoma State. And not only for, you know, a resume builder, tournament time, all this stuff. I think this game was important for Oklahoma State because I think that Oklahoma State and the guys on that team needed to believe that they could win without Isaac Likely. Might not be the last game they play without him. I don't know what the illness is, but they better be prepared to play a little bit more without him. Uh, He was in Houston. He was on the sidelines. Uh, He traveled with the team, was checked out before the game, was not able to give it a go. D. Mitchell was actually not told by Mike Boynton that he was going to be the starter until yesterday morning, and he came out and did a good job. Oklahoma State, no midweek game this week. They'll play uh, Minnesota at home on Saturday at 4.30. That'll be an ESPN2 game, and then one more non-conference game on the 29th against Southeastern Louisiana. And then you start conference play at Texas Tech, a Texas Tech team that just knocked off number one Louisville at the NIT season tip-off, a Texas Tech team that is the defending national runners-up. So this is a team that's starting to find its way a little bit. And if you don't have Isaac Likely, I think that that's an important win for Oklahoma State to get the belief that they can win without Isaac Likely. So good stuff from Mike Boynton and the Cowboys in Houston. Also good stuff from Oklahoma State wrestling. Oklahoma State uh, beat OU in Bedlam, 23-9 in Norman. Uh, Oklahoma State's now beaten Oklahoma 10 consecutive times on the mats. Uh, Look, we know what Oklahoma State and Oklahoma is as far as wrestling goes. It's very one-sided. Oklahoma State, perennially perennially one of the best wrestling programs in the country. And Oklahoma has a good, not great wrestling program. So Oklahoma State did what they needed to do. They went in, they took care of business, and uh, they got it done. So... Uh, pardon me. Uh, let's see. When Oklahoma State's won 10 straight over the Sooners. Um, February 16th is when we'll have Bedlam Wrestling again in Gallagher-Iba. Oklahoma State has not lost OU in Stillwater since 1999. It's been 20 years, so you would expect that streak to continue on February 16th when Bedlam takes place in Stillwater. So good stuff uh, for Oklahoma State Wrestling. Let's take a break, come back on the other side. We'll talk a little bit of college football recruiting as we prepare for the early signing period, which opens up on Wednesday. That's coming up next here on Locked On Pokes, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back. Wrapping things up here on Locked on Pokes. Find me on Twitter at Colby J. Powell at Locked on Pokes. Send me your thoughts on the Doak Walker Award, the Heisman Trophy voting. Also, uh, just after I finished up recording the the second segment there, I got the update on the AP First Team All-American selections and Chuba Hubbard is an AP First Team All-American. So, I guess one good thing, one, one spot where he didn't get snubbed, I mean, you would have had to imagine that he was going to be a first-team All-American. It is Chuba Hubbard and Jonathan Taylor, two first-team All-American running backs for the AP. So Chuba Hubbard, uh, y- you know, better something than nothing. I- I'm still I'm, – I'm just not going to let the Doak Walker thing go. I, I think that the Doak Walker uh, award going to Jonathan Taylor is a joke. Um, 
Uh, again, you, you can go back and listen to the first segment. It's a career achievement award for Jonathan Taylor. Congratulations. But Chuba Hubbard is an AP first team All-American. So, again, congratulations to Chuba Hubbard on a phenomenal se- season. There were a lot of rumors floating around this weekend. Uh, there was somebody on Twitter with like 150 followers reporting that he's preparing to play in the Texas Bowl and will come back to Oklahoma State. Chuba Hubbard basically said, don't spread fake news. Uh, I'm still just taking it day by day. I've said a number of times uh, I am always pro players going to play for money. I, I'm always in favor of that. Injuries, serious injuries happen all the time in football. And as much as I would love to see Spencer Sanders, Tylen Wallace, and Chuba Hubbard all play together again next year, I cannot justify thinking that a young man should give up millions of dollars to come back and play for free. I, I can't do it. So if it were me, I would say I think – Chuba Hubbard should go to the NFL. If Chuba Hubbard thinks that's what's best for him is to come back to Oklahoma State, put together another phenomenal season, get more accolades and more recognition now that he'll already be on the national radar, and maybe he can improve his draft stock. Also, it's a very strong running back class this year with Travis Etienne, J.K. Dobbins, Jonathan Taylor, uh, you know, a lot of these guys, A.J. Dillon. Uh, It's a very strong running back class. If he thinks it's in his best interest to come back, then I will love watching him play for Oklahoma State for another season. Uh, But I'm not going to speculate as to whether he will be back. I I think until we get it from Chuba, we won't know. So if you see anything on Twitter from somebody who has 150 followers, just keep scrolling. Just keep scrolling. Don't know who his sources are. Don't care who his sources are. Until I see it from Chuba Hubbard, then I'm, I'm going to assume that we don't yet know what he's going to do. Uh, I mean, we will know, I would imagine, pretty soon if he's going to play in the bowl game. The bowl game's on the 27th. It's the 16th, so we're not too far out. Um, so we will know here before too long. Let's talk a little Oklahoma State football recruiting. Now, e- everyone knows the signing period times of year, the early signing period and then February with, with the normal signing period, National Signing Day, all that good stuff. It's a hard time for a lot of Oklahoma State fans because a lot of Oklahoma State fans want the Cowboys to do better in recruiting. They want Oklahoma State to have better classes, better rankings, which leads to to further future success. I have long been known as the realist when it comes to Oklahoma State football. I, I know what Oklahoma State football is. I accept what Oklahoma State football is, and I'm not trying to make it something that it's not because I know what it means financially to join an elite club of elite programs in college football who have the 80-year tradition of winning national championships and bringing the best players in the country into their programs. So I don't get near as worked up as a lot of people do around recruiting time. Would I like Oklahoma State to have the number 20th ranked recruiting class in the country? Absolutely I would. Do I think that that's realistic whenever Oklahoma State's spending half a million dollars a year on recruiting? No, I don't. If you spend half a million dollars a year on recruiting, you know what you're going to get? You're going to get the 38th ranked class in the country. That's all you can afford at half a million dollars a year. Half a million probably sounds like a lot. It's not. Clemson spent $3 million last year. Texas spent $1.8. OU spent $1.2. I mean, it's pay to play in college football. No, not literally. You can't pay the players unless you're in the SEC. Shout out Lane Kiffin at Ole Miss. That's going to be interesting over the next few years. But... Other than that, I mean, you got to spend money. You got to spend money to get higher ranked recruiting classes. Oklahoma State doesn't spend a lot of money on recruiting. So, again, I'm a realist. Another problem that Oklahoma State has in recruiting Oklahoma State can have a kid locked up, a Texas kid, good player, 
three-star defensive tackle. And as soon as Texas comes in and decides they want him, he's a Longhorn. What do you? What, what do you? I'm asking. I'm asking people who are going to be upset about this. What do you want Oklahoma State to do about the Sawyer Gorham Welch situation? Class of 2020. This is on Pistols Firing Blog. Class of 2020 defensive tackle Sawyer Gorham Welch made his flip from Oklahoma State to Texas official on Sunday. He's a three-star defensive tackle out of Longview, Texas. He committed to Oklahoma State in October. And you know what happened on December 2nd? Texas came in and they offered him. And you know what? Now he's a Longhorn. And again, this is just the realist in me. What do you want Oklahoma State to do about that? That's going to hurt Oklahoma State's recruiting ranking. Oklahoma State, the week of the early signing period, loses a three-star defensive tackle out of the state of Texas because the Longhorns came in and decided they want him. There's nothing Oklahoma State can do about it. And now Oklahoma State has one defensive tackle in a class at a position of weakness where Oklahoma State needs guys. I, I, I don't know. Again, the realist in me. T- tell me what the solution is to Texas swooping in at the 11th hour and stealing one of your defensive tackle commits. I, I, I don't have the solution for you. It just it, it is what it is. And, and people don't want to hear that. People don't want to hear that it is what it is. But whenever it comes to recruiting and players flipping to Texas the week of the early signing period, it just is what it is. And there's not anything Mike Gundy can do about that. And there's not anything Jim Knowles can do about that. And there's not anything any of us sitting out here complaining can do about that. When a kid from Texas gets an offer from Texas on December 2nd, he's flipping. He's gone. He's a longhorn. Okay, cool. Hook him. Congrats. Sawyer Gorham Welch can go play for Texas, and Oklahoma State can beat Texas three out of the next four years. Sounds like a plan to me. I'll sign on the dotted line. But as far as getting that guy to Stillwater, can't do it once the, once the Horns make their offer. Cannot do it. Mason Cobb, on the other hand, I think Oklahoma State's going to land Mason Cobb. Mason Cobb's a three-star linebacker out of Provo, Utah. His final visit was this past weekend in Stillwater. He announced on Sunday that he plans on signing Wednesday morning. He's going to make his his commitment and sign on Wednesday morning. It's down to Louisville and Oklahoma State. Over the last two weeks, he's visited both places, but Oklahoma State was his final visit. Almost the entire recruiting class was on campus. Uh, I do think Oklahoma State is going to land Mason Cobb, who's a three-star linebacker out of Provo, Utah. Uh, And then, of course, Shane Illingworth will be the big recruit in this class. Uh, Oklahoma State is supposed to have – he's going to be the highest-rated QB recruit since Bobby Reed in 2004. And Oklahoma State should have a couple of pretty highly-rated recruits on the offensive line as well. But you know what? The class is probably going to fall somewhere in the 35 to 40 range. And you're probably going to be able to turn on your radio and hear people yelling about how it's unacceptable. And again, I ask you, what do you want Mike Gundy and Jim Knowles to do when Texas makes an offer on December 2nd and one of your defensive tackle recruits flips the week of the early signing period? I'm really asking. If you think Oklahoma State should have prevented that and kept that kid in Stillwater, I really want you to tweet me at Colby J. Powell and at Locked on Pokes and tell me how you suggest that they do that because I don't have a solution to that problem. Again, college football, not designed for parity. The best teams every year get the best players the next year. Imagine if when Golden State was going on their run and they won the championship, they got the first pick in the draft and drafted Zion. That's what college football is. That's what college football is. 
It's the Warriors getting to go draft Zion because they were the best team the previous year. That's what college football is. So go ahead and explain to me how you want Oklahoma State to fix the problem of Texas making the 11th hour offer to to the kid from Texas. What's his name? Sawyer Gorham Welch and him flipping from Oklahoma State. There's no solution for that, folks. There is no solution for that. All right. Man, good podcast. I got a lot off my chest today. I feel better. This was uh, therapeutic for me. Hope you all enjoyed it. Any of your thoughts, happy to hear. I'm happy to interact with you on Twitter. Uh, send something my way. I'll read it tomorrow on the podcast at Colby J. Powell at Locked on Pokes. Thank you for listening once again. I'm back tomorrow. This has been another edition of Locked on Pokes, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. <laughs>